Hello and welcome to another edition of the Authorised Podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. This is the podcast where authors speak and authors from all sorts of genres of books, uh, be it sport, be it music, be it uh, history. And today it is uh, some tales uh, about Christmas and uh, a life very well lived so far uh, by a man I think you're going to absolutely enjoy on our podcast. His name is William McGuinness. We'll talk about him some more in just a tick, but a reminder about our terrific uh, partners uh, in this podcast, and that is uh, cscg.com.au. The CS Consulting Group. Now, if you've got uh, financial uh, questions, if you've got financial troubles, if you've got uh, financial victories, uh, whatever they are, they can help you out. So, if you've got money that you'd like to invest, uh, you'd like to borrow, whatever it is, uh, whatever area of finance you're moving in and you uh, need some help with, uh, these are the people to talk to. They are terrific at what they do and they're only too happy to help you out. Jump on the website, have a look at that, cscg.com.au or give them a call. Uh, they're in Melbourne, so it's 03 cscg.com.au. We thank them for their support of our podcast. Let's get into today's edition and we're talking to a man who uh, uh, best known, I guess, uh, as uh, part of the, the Blue Healers cast, uh, Sea Change. He's a terrific actor. He's an author. He's a writer. He's a voiceover artist. Uh, he's just a funny bloke. And uh, this is a, a ripping book. It's called Christmas Tales. And a guest this week on Authorised is William McGuinness. Congratulations on the book. Thanks, Kevin. It's very kind of you. Uh, it's it's a lovely read, uh, and it is a it. Oh gee whiz! It, it so much of uh, of shared experiences and 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 uh, likewise experiences through through Christmas and uh, growing up. Christmas is a lovely time of the year. Are you still as fond of it now as you were as a kid? Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's it's a bit different. I mean, when you have kids your own, you relive the excitement of Christmas through their excitement, yeah. and then now that they're adults, you sort of get the inkling that it might be just a little bit of a drag for them because they've got to stop what they're doing and spend a day or two with the family, whereas, um, you know, you know you've lived through all that stuff. And, you know, you go from being the sort of kid who not wait to check if Santa has had his glass of milk and eat his bickies and the yeah. reindeers have nibbled the carrot to being the kid who sort of knows he's wise about Santa and all that rubbish. Yeah. To being the young adult who thinks, oh, you know, I've got to sort of turn up and do the right thing. To being one of the old duffers. If, you, if you're around long enough, you go through all those stages of, of, of Christmas. Yeah. Uh, festive season existence. But it's sort of fun. I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, I do. I miss people more and more as I get older. I mean, that's uh, for a bloke who's had a very fortunate life. I always think there's too many people I miss at uh, significant times of the year for my liking. Yeah. That's just the way life's. Uh, delivered you give you, you, you hand a card. But but one thing you've captured in this book is the lovely memories of the of the special and kind of almost wide-eyed bits of Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing quite like seeing someone get something at Christmas and it just knocks them for six. Yeah. Like, you know, I grew up, probably similar vintages, you know, I grew up when people didn't have as much. I mean, no one was sort of poor, poor, but, you know, Christmas was a time of feasting. You know, it was like a turn it on because this is the day we're going to celebrate good fortune and, you know, familiar love and good citizenship. And so you sort of eat like crazy people and then you go into that food stupor after the big feast yeah. on Christmas lunch. But, you know, some of the things people like, I've seen people getting delivered from menu log and those deliveries, they're just, every day it's Christmas now. It's a strange <laughs> thing. We've got so much, yet it still does retain that sort of magic. What I love about 
life in a way is the way something sort of nonsensical becomes that's a point of celebration. Like I can remember we had the uh, my sister somehow got given the um, the Bleakley family recipe for their family pudding, and it's just a cracker. And the Bleakleys are this big sporting family up in Reckless and surrounds where I grew up. Yeah, Bevan Bleakley was the most notorious Bleakley of all because he was a sort of football hero. And uh, actually, I can remember he he appeared on a four IP. Uh, 1975 collectible matchbox that uh, the 4IP good guys put out. And they had a photo of Bevan, and he was this sort of hard-looking guy with a rocker's haircut, and he was Bevan Bleakley, fierce, prop, hard-running, goes full ball, 120 minutes. But as a game of rugby league was only 80 minutes long, well, then you have to watch him in the showers. But anyway, (laughs) we we got given this recipe for this pudding, and the first time it appeared, my mum just sort of thought she'd jazz things up and she had a bit too much brandy and whiskey. When she said it alive, my father, when it appeared, my father said, oh, hello, Hallie's Comet's back early, <laughs> which is funny. And then my auntie said, it's like one of those weapons that was used to storm the castle in that Charlton Heston movie, <laughs> which was just way too sort of <laughs> odd. But then the bloody thing got christened Charlton. So every, for about four or five years, they go, where's Charlton? You bring on Charlton. <laughs> That's what we called the bloody uh, Christmas put after a epically wooden movie actor from the Hollywood Golden Years, you know, uh, old Moses himself. That that name thing is is sort of a recurring theme in your family. The Charlene Rendina thing is a beautiful oh, – uh, I, I think that's hysterical that your dad would, would have named it – if he'd ever had a trotter, he would have called it Charlene Rendina. Well, he just said – Charlene Rendina was a terrific athlete, oh, you know. yes. She was, she was just a little bit below Olympian class, but she gave it a red-hot crack. But my dad loved yelling things, and he said, that is a name that was just meant to be yelled, like Charlene Rendina. <laughs> he said, if I had a trotter, I'd name it Charlene Rendina. Uh, and it sort of became a sort of uh, uh, a surreptitious stand-in for cursing. If he, went, if he was going to go a bit too blue, he'd just go, oh, Charlene Rendina. <laughs> <laughs> lovely nonsense like that. You know, like people used to say Gordon Bennett for some reason. Yes, yes. I never Instead quite of, oh, my God. That. Yeah. I think it was no, after some... Um, military commander in the Second World War. But anyway, yeah, you're right, Kevin. It's just that sort of nonsensical lingo adaptation that, you know, life can throw up. And Christmas is just like, you know, it's just, it's such a heightened time in a way. Yeah. It's a time when my parents worked really hard and they loved Christmas because they thought it was a time of good sort of citizenship and good fellowship and it was a time when you rewarded yourself for a good life. As well as you, as long as you cut people a bit of slack, and that's such an old-fashioned thing, but I still kind of like it. Yeah, so do I. I love the fact that your dad said we were gifted Christmas and we should embrace it. That's a it's a, it's a really nice way of looking at it. Well, I think it's right. You know, I mean, whatever your faith system. I mean, as he always used to say, we were advanced laps. You know, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's worse ways you could live your life by a few of the words from. Well, as he said, the coot and the cross, which is totally unreconstructed, <laughs> but I think in that really rough hewn sort of way, nudging respect to a, a life and a philosophy well lived. And, you yeah. Know, yeah, I don't mind it. I love it, actually. I love Christmas. Is the pool, is the outdoor pool the, the uh, you know, the outstanding and most memorable of all the kind of Christmas gifts that were gifted to you from your family? Sort of, I guess, because it belonged to all of us, but we couldn't quite believe it. But when, you know, I, used to, I said to my father when I saw it, it's got a proper pool. <laughs> sort of, instead of just sort of giving me a clip on the ears <laughs> and saying, wake up to yourself, 
he sort of went with it. He sort of talked me around, you know, because we grew up in southeast Queensland and I had this homophobic fear of toads. And he said, look, look, you see that? Above ground's the way to go because it's got a built-in toad barrier. Have you ever thought of that? Do you want to be doing breaststroke with those mainly buggers? I went, I don't, I don't. And then I thought we were going to get an in-ground pool. And then he said, they're concrete. Son, they're concrete. They crack. Why do you think they swim so fast at the Olympics? <laughs> and I just went, oh, yeah, right, you know. I got it. I can remember watching the bloody 1974 Commonwealth Games and a guy called Mike Wendon won oh, the 100 yeah. metres for, for Australia. And I said, gee, Dad, I hope he gets out before the pool cracks. <laughs> and the old man just looked at me and shook his head like, how stupid is this boy? <laughs> Hence the nickname Cabbage Head, I would imagine. Oh, God, I got some camp Cabbage Head drill bit. Banjo player. I don't know. Look, I did get a, it's, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Like your Christmas presents. You, what I like about Christmas, Kevin, if I'm going to be totally sentimental and middle aged, sometimes something happens and it's sort of quite wonderful. Now, I had a moan to a couple of people about one sort of New Year period. I had this collection of stubby holders. Yeah. And we had a lot of guests down, and, you know, my son had a lot of, you know, mate, mate, his mates down at the beach. And I just, I don't know, just, they all seem to disappear. The stubby holders. And I said, where do they all go? And next Christmas, just, you know, I got all these parcels, about 40 parcels from all over the shop. And I opened them up and they were people giving me stubby holders. Yeah. And some of them were so, like, I had a couple of my mates send one, which was like from the place I grew up. And he said, just don't, you're, you know, you just remember where you come from. And another bloke who's one of those lovely problematical friends you have who irritates you, but you love them. And I like flowers. And he just gave me a, a stubby holder with a plastic flower in it saying, here, I hope you like the flower, even though it's not real, you funny old bugger. And I thought, man, that's so sweet. And yeah. you know, footy clubs I played with. So I remember stuff like that. Yep. Um, and I also remember getting, I, I, I think I got a, a crystal set, a crystal radio set. You know, oh, wow. you, yeah. you stuck to a gutter and you could somehow, I couldn't quite work out it worked, and I remember getting that from I think it was an RSL Christmas, yeah, for a Christmas party. Yeah. When you know that was that was fantastic. You know they used to have. <laughs> I remember that. they used to have the parents races. You know, you and mothers would run and they'd hold their bits and pieces. And, <laughs> <laughs> What's going? and then you'd see your father's running, and all these guys, which were probably about my age now, running as you know they're doing the one hundred meters or the fifty meters, and they're hobbling in there awkwardly gating because they basically sort of <laughs> defended the country and fought against fascism and the forces of oppression. And when I run like that now, it's just because I've been in a good paddock and I've lived a life too well yeah. with too much enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. Hey, before we leave presents, I wanted to ask you, you can get presents awfully wrong. Uh, what were you thinking when you gave uh, someone in your life a nail gun? <laughs> it's the curse of bunnings. <laughs> I'm just yes. going to put it down there, you know. I mean, everyone goes Bunnings. Even Skarnos is brutal for Bunnings now. I mean, it's just crazy, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's funny when you go to Bunnings. They always. I used to sort of think that Bill Shorten, when he talked, was like a Bunnings commercial. You know, he's a little bit awkward, and I kind of like the fact that you know Bunnings people are sort of normal. But yeah. the thing is, you go to Bunnings, <laughs> it's like talking to a politician when you ask somebody something because they just never give you an answer. You know, they always just sort of drift around it a little bit. They don't want to actually be held to anything, but they want to reassure they want to hear. They want your face. <laughs> uh, and it's just so much fun, you know. Like, uh, 
But Bunnings is that, uh, I, I call it the, 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 the temple of the deluded handy person. Yeah. You go in there for something. This is why Bunnings works. You go in there for something. I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, there's all this wonderful crap. You think, oh, my God. And I walked past the sale, and I'm just sort of a mug for a sale sign, and it was, you know, a nail gun. $120, you get yourself a nail gun. I thought, I need that. I walk out, and I'm thinking, why did I buy this? And I didn't. I thought, oh, well, I'll give it as a Christmas present to somebody. And I ended up giving it as a Christmas present to a good friend of mine. She said, what do, you, what do I want with a nail gun? <laughs> and the, the best I could come up with, I said, have you seen the equalizer? Yes. <laughs> and she said, what? You know, it's the Denzel Washington film where he's a sort of ex-man of mystery who works now on the American equivalent of Bunnings. And he sort of, you know, he said, you've got to watch out because when the Russian gangsters come, this comes in very handy. And he takes out a concern of, you know, Russian Molotov heavies with a nail gun. Every home should have one. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> I know I've got I've got a cup. I still haven't left this case. I just used to go to back to me and I stick it in the shed. <laughs> um, but you know, that's that quick. There's that myth of the quick fix Christmas present. I love. You know. Hey, now I've got to ask like you, you. You've got a shed, have you? I do. Do you have a cafe bar in your shed like your dad did? <laughs> I saw one in a. Uh, <laughs> I saw one in a. Um, a vintage antique collectible shop, and I oh, thought about wow. it. I said, no, "That's ridiculous." And then, as soon as I got home, I said, "I got to go get a back." I went back and bought, and it was somebody taking it. So oh. I determined if I ever see one, I'm going to get one. I'm going to stick it in the shed because that was the posh coffee. That was like the, the, you know we we latte ourselves up now to the eyeballs these days. But back in back in the, you know my parents' day and your parents' day, that was the posh coffee. The two flicks of the cafe bar. Uh, it was automatic, son. It's automatic. <laughs> you don't need milk. It's white enough. It comes from a chemist, you know. God knows what petrochemical byproducts it came from. And it was all that plastic beige, oh, terrible thing. Oh, God, yes. Cafe bar. It was all the rage for a while. Yep. And then, you know, people just woke up to it. You know, they woke up to it and they thought, oh, we'll just stick to Pablo or International Roast. Yes. Hey, tell me about uh, your time as, as Santa Claus. You had a couple of cracks at it. Well, I was always dragooned in. If I was up uh, at home and mum was about, she had a Christmas party. She always got me uh, dressed as Santa Claus uh, for the Reckless uh, Pensioner Craft Club. Yeah. <laughs> so, Beautiful. Uh, I did it for the Footscray Swimming Club when the kids were there, yep. which was always a bit of fun. But I actually was uh, a couple of times professionally employed as a Santa, which um, both times it didn't really work out that well. I mean, I was having liquid breakfast with a flatmate of mine first year out from drama school and he, we had a bet. He said to me, let's uh, a carton of beer for the person who can get a job the quickest. So he went through the Sydney Morning Herald and I had the Daily Telegraph and I thought the, uh, a, uh, well, it's not around there, Grace Brothers was the department store and they needed a, a Santa in a hurry. So I just rang up and said, yeah, I'd love to come and apply for the job. And no one else had. <laughs> I got the gig and I borrowed a pair of, I borrowed $25 off my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, to buy some uh, gumboots to get the role. Cause oh, God. In the ad, it said, you must, <laughs> must supply own gumboots. <laughs> Kevin, it was a disaster. I was a really bad Santa. I had a mate come and visit me who was the losing uh, job duelist, yeah. and he'd been off at a pub uh, recreationally enhancing. He brought along a pal he'd met. I'd never met this guy before. And he looked like a Viking who'd just come back from raiding a monastery. Uh, and they were both whacked. Uh, and my friend sort of basically they wanted to see me on the throne. And there I was amongst the intimate apparel because they always had Santa phones. 
near the undies section. Yes, they did. Too. I think the the idea was that while the kids were sitting on Santa's lap, mum would go buy a few bits of apparel for herself. Yeah, yeah. But this guy was like, my friend fell asleep. Of course, he fell asleep. But this other guy just sat there rolling smoke and looking up at me going, you are Santa. <laughs> you are Santa. Man, I believe in you. <laughs> I'm going, this is even driving me a bit weird. And then he came up with this song. He started singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Girls on a film. <laughs> he did it over and over again. He sort of got a bit of, sort of, you know, new romantic crap <laughs> pop uh, from Duran Duran. Yeah. <laughs> and he sang for about 15 minutes a number of Christmas carols, but he used the words in Girls on Film, and it's, I freaked out because it's like, <laughs> Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Silent Night, Silent Night, Hector Halls, Three Wise Men. It was insane. And, it was, and then my wife came to visit me. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time. And I saw her, gave a little shy little wave, and I jumped up and I chased after her. And uh, she just took off. And I was chasing after her, so ho hoing like a mad thing. You know, she ran past a couple of security people. Obviously, the supermarket had a problem with rogue Pringles. No, it's the latest one. Yeah. And they said, are you having a problem with that Santa? And she said, yeah, he's chasing me. And they just sort of crash-tackled me and took me off to a room, locked me in it, and told me to put my hands where they could see them and leave them on the table. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I don't take your beard off, just sit in there. And then one of the managers came down and said, what's this all about? It was like something out of, you know, some sort of American procedural drama. And I just said, listen, she was my girlfriend I was going to. And then they went and found her in the car park. She said, yeah, she was laughing her head off. <laughs> uh, but then I got a gig. I got a gig on country practice, and I just didn't go in one day. And I remember I married. I was hired to be a <laughs> – I don't know if anybody remembers country practice. It was like one of those bizarre places where – Everything happens. It's a little country town, but everything happens. But I was a paleontologist digging up the remains of a very rare dinosaur that was in Wandon Valley, and I was supposed to be the guy to marry one of the vets. Uh, and then, you know, I was in it for about five episodes. And when it went to where, we went off to the RSL in Sydney, me and a couple of my mates. It came on on the big screen, and we watched it. Mate, Kevin, I was just beyond terrible. I was more wooden than Charlton Heston. <laughs> you know, that bloody pudding, the pudding that, that bore his name had more animation than I did. And I was looking at it thinking, Jesus, I have got no future whatsoever as an actor. And, and after it was finished, one of my mates said, just think, well, you gave up Santa for that. <laughs> and the other time it even worse was like, you know, I was, Supposed to be a Santa in Melbourne, CBD. I thought, you know, look at this for a game of soldiers. So we were supposed to run around saying Melbourne, Merry Christmas from the Melbourne Chamber of Commerce and give lollies out. And I just went up to the mission and sat there and <laughs> ran for three hours and went back and claimed that I'd been doing this. The other Santa, who was the sort of action Santa. Was he the jock? He, the one uh, you called Jockstrap? Jockstrap, of course. He was putting, we were getting chained. And he put a jock strap on and he put a cricket box down there. Yep. And I said, oh, what are you doing? And he said, well, you know what he hit me with those guys. He sort of, well, you know, uh, some of the kiddies out there, they get very, very over enthusiastic. <laughs> Little Pip would have been knocked over by a baby's breath. She got too excited when I came up to, at a uh, Lions uh, function and she hit me in the knackers and I went down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. He, uh, he, he tapped his box 
And he goes, but now that doesn't happen anymore. And in a way, I like to think it adds to the mystique. <laughs> you were barking. But then he sort of cottoned onto the fact that I was just bludgeoning, which, you know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not very proud to say that I was not a very good Santa. I mean, you know, but there were so many Santas around. But he started stalking me to prove that I that I wasn't, you know. And again, it was like something like a bad Stephen Seagal action movie, you know. I, <laughs> I ended up, I just took the clothes off, took a couple of lollies, went home, and that was the end of a Santa career professionally. We all have our calling in life. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> what do you want for Christmas, young Kevin? <laughs> well, it could be worse. You could be a life model, which you had a crack oh my at. God, I have, I have <laughs> a crack at that. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. Yeah, because I knew a girl, Lois, well, she was a life model, and she went off on a holiday, and she said, look, I've got a friend who can come and do it. And I said, sure, yeah, I'd love to do it. And then I walked in and it was like, Lois isn't here this week. This is William. He'll be our life model. The sweet blokes has packed up their easels and left. So I thought, oh, it's not very good. <laughs> and I said, then they said something classical. I said, yeah, whatever. And I thought, I'll try and throw a discus seat. But you have to hold the pose. And you try and hold the pose for 45 minutes of pretending to throw a discus yeah. in the nutty. And I said, can I keep my slippers on because it was cold? <laughs> I goes, I'm with you, mum. And it was just terrible. You know, and at the end, some bloke said, would you like to see what I've done? I said, sure, yeah. It was like a stick figure. Yep. And I went, oh, hello. This is, I'm not coming back. I'm going to have a word to lower the best. Personally, I don't, I don't like anything up uh, to do with Christmas before the 1st of December because I think there's kind of got to be a demarcation somewhere. Are you a – Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not a fan of Christmas in July, and you, and you talk a, a fair bit about Christmas in July in the book as well. And bunnies at Redcliffe, which is a very funny story. Oh my god, old Bunny Pierce, yeah. <laughs> the the pig's knuckle at uh, at Bunnies was. Oh mate, my feet. Just one of my one of my great friends. He went on this trip to Germany and had Schweinachsen, which is like pig knuckles, and he was like was Beethoven's favourite thing, apparently. Oh right. And he was just saying, "It's just wonderful. You've got to have it, you know." And so we go to, <laughs> you know, for those of your listeners today. Reckless is in just north of Brisbane, and they had this uh, this you know Reckless Leagues Club, and there's a restaurant in there called Bunny's Family Bistro, named after a really wonderful guy who was a football player there, Bunny Pierce, uh, and he thinks he's going to get this wonderful German meal that was Beethoven's favourite because it's like a Christmas in July special, and it's Schweinax and done Bunny style, which is basically it's not roast at all; it's just no. boiled. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking in German. He's all excited. We don't get we we don't get any Bavarian beer there, so we just get a couple of pints of old. And he sort of looks at it. He says, "This is not Schweinhausen." <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. It's funny stuff. And then he just starts laughing because he's such a great bloke. We just have a whale of a time, you know. The book. It's not a. It's not a. It's not. A, it's not a critique of the the way Christmas is um is spent and whatever. The spiritual meanings of it. I mean, I just leave that aside because yeah. I think I, I'll just take it that there were a secular nation. I mean, I do find the colours. You know, I, I sort of, you know, I'm, I'm maybe advanced lapsed, but there's enough for belief left in me to sort of get me through a bad night. Uh, but I just wanted to do that shared experience of of, of Christmases, and where sometimes a disappointment uh, can be just as enjoyable or funny as a great present, yeah. a great Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is a tough time, Kevin. A lot of the times, because it's a milestone in your life, we've always got a Christmas photo that we have to pose for. And there's 
you define your way through life in a way. And it can be a bit of an emotional hothouse because yeah. you catch up with family and maybe things haven't worked out for you or, and someone has gone ahead and achieved more or yeah, all those sorts of things. And it's time to sort of open up old scores and battles and sort of start new ones. Uh, and then sometimes it's a very time, it's a hard time, it's a, it's a lonely time. And you, you look at it in its entirety, it's a very human time of the year, I think. I just sort of find that that heightened time of the year is a really interesting time to, 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 to write about. And, yeah. you know, I found, I found this actually quite an emotional book. Uh, I must be oh, bet. Well. No, I bet you did, because there's a lot of things I'm imagining that uh, that pushed a lot of buttons in this and, and brought a, lot, oh, brought a lot of memories back for you. You should have heard me bloody blubbing when I was reading it. It was just pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I can tell you, I'm, I was reading it and I'm laughing out loud because there's so many things in there. For, for, I mean, you can start with the fruit tingles and, and uh, you know, the, the speckly fruit tingles and what, what a thrill it was to find one of those in a packet. Um, I, I never... I never got the cuts because I mentioned Shane Gould and the cracks in the swimming pool. I never that that never happened to me. But I tell oh, you well, what, that was because of, oh yeah, yeah, because of your dad telling you about the the in-ground pool. Cool, and then you know you, you know, never mind. What I, what I did relate to, and I'll do this in a totally indulgent way, is the 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 whole four IP good guys thing got me because. Well, you were one. In 1974, I, I was a 4IP good guy. I started in the bush and then came down, and from 74 through to 80, whatever, 81 or whatever it was, I was a 4IP good guy, and I could very easily have been the bloke on air on the, on the Sunday afternoon that your sister was talking to. Corby could have been Corby on the... Corby wanted to talk to you, Kevin. <laughs> and I'm reading that thing, my God, yes, talking about the sale at Toonbull Music and the bloody uh, Santa oh, appearing. The record market. <laughs> Don't miss out on the record, record, the Brisbane record market. Jambler. You know, uh, oh, my God. That, could... that was the only time we listened to commercial radio outside the racing channel. Yep. 4IP. Yep. Because 4IP played the best hits of tomorrow, hits of today and hits of tomorrow. Oh, we played them all. We played everything from... 4IP uh, was colour radio. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. And I was one of the good guys, and I'm very very proud of that. But, uh, yeah, just reading that in the book, I was I was peeing myself laughing. Well, you know, uh, I used to say the 4IP, there wasn't a, a Marta Price home, which was one of the biggest things to do in Brisbane. It was run by... The Marta Hospital. Oh, yeah, all those ones at Aspley. Yeah, Aspley, uh, Castledine. Yes, you know, that's right. Uh, yeah. It was never. It, it wasn't a proper Marta Price home. It's a four IP. Good guy wasn't there on the fun mode. Oh God. Oh yes. Hey, you mentioned Christmas music uh, in the book too, which I which I loved, and and Christmas music is, let's be honest, by nature, bloody awful most times. Jingle bell, <laughs> jingle bell. <laughs> Someone will grab that idea. That, 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 that's that's. Who would have thought such an anemic pop song could have? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it is pretty dreadful, and no one really knows the lyrics half the time. They get things wrong. The round young virgin. Yeah, oh my lord. Silent night has been misconstrued so many times. Yeah. What um, What's Christmas twenty twenty looking like for you, William? Well, we'll be at uh, the, uh, the family uh, do. Uh, well, it's one of those things we were divvying up because uh, lockdown has been so weird. Yeah. And it looks like we might be able to travel. So it could be one of those years where we just decide to um, catch up with a family at my brother's farm he's got. Uh, I think lots of people are thinking about doing that. Yeah. You know, it's a weird thing. I've got to ask Steve 
one of those, you know, where did you come from things. And yeah. I, uh, I just thought, oh, no, I don't care. I know where I come from. I come from Redcliffe. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and I miss people I grew up with. I miss the place. I, it's a weird sort of a thing. Uh, and in, 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 in many ways, wherever I go, wherever I spend Christmas, there's always a little part of where I grew up is with me because I've still got, we've all, I think, still got decorations we had as kids from our Christmas tree. And I, I kind of like that, you know. I kind of like just putting up this bloody silly plastic soldier I had. Yeah. Who, and my mum dressed him in little material like he was one of the three wise men, you know, <laughs> in an act of supplication, sort of, you know, offering frankincense or, or myrrh to, to, to the Christ, where in reality he was a plastic radio operator <laughs> calling in a strike probably. But I think I we'll be down the beach again. <laughs> the, I think uh, we'll be down the beach, but... Wherever you are, wherever, wherever we spend it, we're never far from each other, which is nice. I think. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, the, 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 well, I think it's going to be a Christmas that'll be a lot of people kind of making the connection more because they want to make it rather than they have to make it this Christmas. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's been a bit of a year. Uh, oh, God, but, yeah. Um, hopefully it'll be a lovely Christmas. And, you know, re-gifting is going to be easy this year. You think about what people wanted the most in lockdown, and it wasn't sort of uh, peace and goodwill, and it wasn't... Um, a jewel. It wasn't a, a GoPro. It was bog paper and pasta. So if you're looking for a, st- a stopping filler, I'd go with two ply and Manda number two. <laughs> it's perfect. You know, <laughs> utilitarian, one size fits all. Yes, yes. That's, that's 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 the 2020 stopping filler of uh, of my choice. I think pasta and dunny paper. Yep. <laughs> the things that we were, you know, fighting each other to get a hold of four months, five yeah, months ago. Bizarre, isn't it? Oh, it Just is. imagine that. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, mate, but always good to catch up with you. Thanks so much for your time. It's a lovely book. It's a lovely read. I really enjoyed uh, uh, going through it and, and uh, just brought back a lot of memories for me, but uh, I imagine that uh, just was, was, would have been fun to write, but uh, anyone who picks it up is going to enjoy it. Well, you're a good man, and you're one of my favourite people, Kevin, because as well as being a sort of died in the wall Western Bulldog supporter, you are in the pantheon of the Guinness Family Hall of Fame. You were. A poor AP good guy. Go, 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 go. Sorry, old doc. Thank you, mate. No, that was lovely. Thank you so much. It's always good to catch up. Thanks for your time. Not at all. Not at all. He tells a good story. He writes a good story. Uh, he is a good story. William McGuinness, uh, fantastic to have him on the Authorised Podcast. I really appreciate his time and I highly recommend that book. Uh, it certainly touched many, many uh, areas for me in terms of uh, my growing up and uh, my family and uh, uh, recollections of, uh, of uh, times with uh, with my family and around that Christmas time. Uh, it's, it's a really good read. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. It'll be a wonderful gift for somebody as well. Christmas Tales, William McGuinness, it's out and about now through Hatchet Publishing. So uh, we thank William for his time. Uh, and of course, once again, we thank our great partners in this podcast. Authorised, it is uh, cscg.com.au. That's the CS Consulting Group. Finance is, uh, is their business and uh, they like to make sure that uh, that your finances are ship-shape, 100% good and uh, that uh, everything's travelling well and you're happy with what's going on. Uh, so uh, give them a call, double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website, cscg.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Authorised Podcast. The next one will be full of heroes, a couple of uh, great books about heroes, sporting heroes and uh, heroes that uh, might even live in the house next door to you. That's coming up on the next Authorised. Hope you can join me for that. Take care.